and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched-on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin, and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google Ads, and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpose, Homework Allure, and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course, teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google Ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist, alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart, with a love of all things business. On today's podcast, I'm so excited to have Jane, who is the founder of Millwood's Shoes. And Jane, fun fact, we talk about it a little bit on this episode, but she was one of my first ever students in my Google Ads course and has been like a little fairy godmother. Whenever someone mentions Google Ads in any Facebook group that she's a part of, she will whisper my name or shout my name very loudly. And it is, it has been fantastic to have such a lovely champion of your business. So Jane founded Millwoods when she realized that she couldn't find gorgeous kids' shoes for her kids, and she set out to make them. She designs high-quality shoes that are beautiful, affordable, and comfortable, and she started off with kids' shoes and then pivoted to because she realized that kids' shoes were really tricky um, just in terms of marketing, and also the margins are really, really tiny. So she transitioned more to being into lace footwear, and that has been so successful for her. But in this chat, we talk about some of the really hard moments the first year in particular which was really really tough there weren't many sales coming through and then how she started to gain momentum and how her business grew and what impact COVID has had on that as well Jane's delight please go and visit her website all the links are in the show notes she is so fantastic and it was a thrill to get to chat to her so thank you so much for joining me today Jane my pleasure exciting to be here well, not really. You tried to fob me off, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you did say no initially. Well, I'm just not really sure that I'm the one that needs to be on a podcast, but anyway, we're here. We're doing well, it. Well, I think so because why don't you tell people about what you do and then we'll go into how you got to doing what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Jane. I'm the owner of Village Shoes and I'm design, manufacture and import women's and children's leather loafers. Yes. It takes a lot to actually get to say that. Design It takes a while to actually come up with your like elevator pitch, I guess. Yeah. Like to condense it down. Cause you're like, I sell shoes, I do design, I do this, and sort of condense it all into a nice little sentence. Sounds pretty good. It changes every day at the moment, Katie. <laughs> and I was just telling you before we started that I've recently purchased some of the shoes for my kids and they're fantastic. But why don't you we start from sort of the backtrack and Like what made you want to start a shoe range? Because I couldn't find shoes for my son. That was Mm -hmm. literally it. So I was just, so this is like, well, James is about to turn seven. And so when he was one, he walked, he's just like, he was just always big. So like, like long and lean, very long and lean, like string bean. But, um, I just wanted like leather. I just wanted leather loafers. What I ended up making because I was sick of dressing him up in these awesome outfits, and then you go and put him in shoes that he either clumped around in, or they all looked the same, or it was joggers, and it just didn't. I was just like, you know what? I just Velcro. To look, yep, I just wanted him to look nice, and I don't. I'm not terribly maternal. Like I love my children, but I'm not very good. I can sit down and I'll do the shoes for them and all that sort of stuff. Like, come on, let's teach you to do stuff yourself. Yeah, so, and you created like slippers. They're like slippers. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, so you literally just slide your foot in and they can run around, they can be kids, they can look good. And I just kind of tick lots of boxes. And then I found these shoes in America and they're $160 a pair. I was like, wow. I'm not spending that on a pair of shoes for a two-year-old. And in hindsight, Katie, it might have been a lot cheaper to do that and start a shoe business. But fast forward, I think it's been, so yeah, like I've only been operating just shy of three years we've been operational. And so before you go any further, how long did it take you from then idea to operational? If you say he's about, only seven. About two years. Wow. Yeah, about two, two and a half years. Because it was sort of like, you know, I started this idea and then I actually looked at buying a business and that just wasn't going to work. And then um, it just wasn't, um, I just kept getting like these doors would close in my face, but then all of a sudden I'd, I'd go, I'd give up. And then all of a sudden I'd just get this contact and his door would just open. So I'd just go again and I'd keep going and then another door would open and it just, all of a sudden doors just started to open. I have no experience in shoe design, no experience in retail, manufacturing, importing, none of it. So I was literally blind one foot in front of the other and I just for some reason decided got hell-bent on doing this and off we went. And then before I knew it, I had a ridiculous amount of pairs of shoes being delivered and <laughs> stored at my house. It was I just- remember you telling me on stage because you're like you have to you know, you can't just buy 10 pairs of shoes. You've got to have like a lot to be able to get down the cost. Of the Two and a half thousand pairs of shoes arrived on my doorstep. And, went up. and I was pregnant with our third child and I was almost, I was too far into the process to stop the process. So it was literally like, I remember walking into the bank with Willow who might've been uh, three or four weeks old going, here, have my life savings and please convert them into US dollars to send to a factory where I was like, God, I hope this works. Is that, like, talk me through that feeling there. Is that really nerve-wracking doing that? I felt sick. I felt so sick of that because literally, like, now knowing what I know now, like, I, you know, I'm hedging US dollars, I'm, you know, watching foreign exchange. I literally just walked into the bank and went, oh, can here's the Swift account details. Can you transfer this for me, please? I didn't try to even get a better rate. Like I knew nothing. I just mm. went, oh, here's my life savings. Can you um can you just send this to this bank? Here's the print, this is how much has to go. Like it was just so naive. So naive. Wow. And that was nearly three years ago now. <laughs> yeah. Well they do they landed three years ago. So it was yeah, just over. Yeah. Okay. So then you were just kids shoes at that stage. And now you're ladies as well and tradition and transitioning more towards the ladies. Yeah, yeah. So um, look, what we produce for children is so incredibly niche. And in order to then sort of make a really sustainable business model and something where it actually might have a chance of growing to a point where I can pay myself a wage, I really needed to do something else. So I was getting lots and lots of emails. And at this point, I was still going to markets. I was talking to customers all the time and I'm like I do all customer service. I I just really enjoy it because if someone's not happy, as much as it makes me feel sick when they're not happy, I want to be the one to try and fix that. It's my business, I own it. I set the thing in motion, I've got to own some of this stuff. So yeah, so I was talking to a lot of parents and their children were coming out going, Oh, we love your shoes. They're just like walking on air and um, they would choose they wouldn't wear anything else. Their parents were like, I want what the kids have got. And a lot of people just wanted me to blow up literally the size, blow out the size range and do exactly what the kids had. 
which we could, which was an option. But then I was like, I needed to hit the market with a bang because to really catch the attention of parents, like you really need to sort of go, nope, here we go, ladies, buy these. This is why. Um, and like really a hero sort of, product. Yeah, and that's when we launched with the with the um, the women's range. And to be honest with you. I probably would have almost seriously considered actually winding the business down if I didn't do the women's. Wow. And so I only ordered 200 pairs of the women's and that was in October last year and I'm on to my fifth reorder <sighs> of women's now already. So they're, wow. like I had, I literally had shoes arrive on Friday, amazingly 20 days early. Who has shoes that arrived 20 days early in this climate at the moment? Anyway, I was just like gobsmacked. I literally got on a boat and we're here and I got them to walk us somehow that quickly. And then um, I've got another drop coming into September and they're pretty much almost gone too. But it's like I don't want investors, so I'm doing everything, like everything's being reinvested back into this. And so we've only done the Navy and the Leopard now, but I've got this really, I don't know, I'm trying to work out what we're going to call it, whether it's a sneefer or a loafer or a sneaker because it's like a slip-on sneaker slash loafer thing. It's coming out in the end of September for summer and it's like super comfy and so fun. But, yeah, we're just like slowly expanding, which is really difficult in such a fast-moving world. But it's like now I'm holding my ground and I've just literally done Leopard and Navy and we're just bringing one thing on at a time because that's what I can manage. And And I was going to say, wouldn't the way I think of it would be that the kids' market would actually be a more profitable market because they grow out of shoes so so much. So you've got to kind of buy more and buy if a say a parent gets in at the smaller size, yep. then they would want to buy one in each size and then they have more kids and then they've got to they want to give them to friends and all that sort of stuff. Whereas with women's the opposite, Katie. It's the op but it's the opposite, is it? Yeah. To actually so what, get what, somebody what? into a pair of kids' shoes, particularly my shoes, because it's not um you're re-educating because people, um, kids and sneakers, kids and sneakers, kids and sneakers, they Velcro them on, they're strapped on their feet and off they go. Um, and it's just, it's a very it's a very distinct style wearing our loafers. Mm. Girls tend to wear them all day, everywhere, every day, whereas boys. They're more of a going out type Yeah, shoe. they're rough and tumble. They're a going out. They're a good shoe. And also it's a price point thing as well. Mm. My margins aren't. Like it doesn't cost that much less to make a pair of kids' shoes than it does to make a pair of women's shoes. And with kids, I just was work like the margin is so tight that if my Google AdWords account wasn't up for a week a week and it wasn't performing, then that's like all of a sudden I'm heading into negative territory. Mm. Just don't have the breathing space and you have to move such a massive amount of volume. Massive. And it's They'll always, like the women, the kids' shoes will always be part of the range. They're just not going to be what we are about first and foremost. We'll go to women's and then the kids will be part of it as opposed to it being. So if you had your time again, do you think you would do, but I guess then you wouldn't have had the business because you did the business to satisfy a need, which was the need of the shoes. And I think that's quite a common thing. Like one of our common friends, Sally, who's been on the podcast and she satisfied a need. She had a need for um, packing bags for hot, when she went to hospital and she couldn't find it in the market. So she created the product and filled that gap. And I think that's a really common way of starting a business is to satisfy a need that you can't find. Yeah. What are the downfalls of that though? Of building a product that's 
that's for you? Like, is there any? Because you're so emotionally involved in the product mm. development and trying, and that's where it's been. Um, it's been a really tough decision to even um, even make the decision to go so. So the next sort of 12 months with the women's shoes to build that so dramatically. Whereas, you know, in my head when I started these kids' shoes, I was doing boots, I was doing sandals, I was doing everything. And to then to watch an actual business model evolve and go to watch that it's not what I thought it was going to be. Mm. And I did a huge amount of research before this and people doing what they say they were going to do and what they answer in, an, in a survey are two very different things. Very different things. So, as in, I would buy these sort of shoes, and then when I it would comes buy to them home. at this price point, I would do this, I would do that, and then when it actually comes to the crunch, it, it was like crickets to start with. Like the first twelve months were like crickets. It was just, it was soul destroying the first twelve months, and then we got into the second twelve months because like, well, I've got to try and do something, and then yes, so half like two th- two thirds of the way through our second um, twelve months, so year two is when we. Really, I just went, I'm just going to give these women a crack because otherwise I'm seriously going to have to seriously look at shutting this business down because to put the funds behind it to really, like you need such a massive marketing budget for kids to cut through because they grow so quickly. Like $80 on a pair of kids' shoes, is it's a lot when they're rolling through them so quickly, whereas $40 on a pair of kids' shoes is different. Mm. Yeah, but then, you know, they're good quality shoes and they last. Like you've got all these things, but finding your tribe for purchasing at a certain price point in kids, I think is actually a lot harder than it is for females. So women, I should say. How did you find customers? Like during those so first 12 months really hard, during that second 12 months and when you started getting into women's, how did you find customers? It was local, literally word of mouth, local stuff. I'd show up at a market. Um, so I'm based in Wagga, so which is in between, literally sort of in between Sydney and Melbourne on the, like the regional side, um, actually on a farm outside of Wagga. Um, and I would literally just travel to markets. So the word started to spread. And then I'm not that person who would jump on Facebook, particularly to my friends and go, guys, I need your help. Can you shout out for me? I just felt really awful about that. So a small amount of email marketing and I mean small and it literally just was like I would go weeks without a sale and then it's literally growing up going if I'm going to do this I've got to get over myself and put myself out there and when I started to start really you know walking into stores and asking if they wanted to stop my products wherever I was traveling or you know I'd go up and visit mum and dad at Tamworth or my sister at Dubbo and I'd stop and go I'm coming through Millwood's are going to be here for this t- this time in this park. Come down and see us. And I started, you know, to sort of leverage like flash mob, flash mob sort of stuff. Yep, I literally would. So I can remember going to Orange one day in particular, and it was raining and sleeting and typical hideous Orange weather, um, which isn't like that all the time. But every time I go there, it seems to. Be. <laughs> and I was in a park next to a playset, and I just stood there for four hours with the shoes. And it was just the cheapest way that I could work out how to do it when, you know, you had no budget to do it because to me I'd spent all my money on stock. I had nothing left for marketing budget, nothing. And then I had to pay really to keep my website alive somehow. And then how did you, now you say you got you now into the fifth drop of these shoes. So what happened between you standing in a park to 
kind of pre-orders going crazy? Ah, serendipity, Katie. Honestly, I literally put it down to so buy from the the buy from the bush campaign happened um, October last year, and that was it started October last year. And I went to a market in Martin Place in December last year, and that made my business. Wow, hundred percent made my business. I spent from I think I got to that market at I think it was five thirty six o'clock in the morning, and we patched down at seven thirty eight o'clock that night. The amount of people that can walk through Martin Place that I spoke to that day. That was literally the Instagram posts, um, the Facebook likes, the, the traction that was generated from that, the emails that we collected. I, I just, I don't know that we would be here if that hadn't happened or I don't know that I would be as far down the road if that hadn't happened. Um, it was literally the market standing there in a completely different marketplace with a completely different range, with a complete access to completely different people which is when I pretty much came hunting your course because, like, Mm. I've got to get out of my circle. How do I get out of here and how do I do this well and really well because I've only got one shot now? Yeah, because we met, I don't even know how you came across I think I watched your first webinar, first (laughs) free webinar or something. Yeah, so Jane was actually, I think you were, like, student number five that I had in my first round of my course. Yeah, yeah. Which just seems like, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it was less than a year ago. I think we're about a year ago now. Um, it's the best thing I've ever done though, Katie, really. Well, you've been a very, you're so supportive of, of me online, which has been so lovely. Like you, you had a student of fielding your phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> someone, a funny story, someone, I've got a testimonial from Jane on my website and someone hunted Jane down. I don't even know how, found Jane, looked up her mobile number, gave her a buzz. I was like, is this course okay? <laughs> 100%. So funny. I tell anyone who'll listen, literally, because I think there are so many people out there at the moment like trying to find someone who can do what they can say they can do. Yeah. That's literally what it is. And um, I just tell anyone who's like, if there's one person who can do what they say they can do, it's Katie and this Jane course. will like pop up online be like, Katie Griffin, Katie yeah. Griffin. Yeah. Very sweet. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to talk about, so the women's shoes, how did you then keep building on that momentum that was created from that Buy From The Bush campaign? How did you build on that now where, say, eight months down the track from there? And second part to that, how has... COVID then changed the business that you don't have that market aspect anymore or can you where you live at the moment? No. So, um, okay, how did I build on that? Um, We took a lot of pre-orders at that day. So there was a lot of excitement about them delivering and coming and those sorts of things. And then so once they actually landed again, um, which was so the market was in December and I had more stock arrive the end of January and I Again, it's serendipity, Katie. I missed COVID in China. I literally missed it. I was perfect timing. You couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, And also, um, which was good because it's sort of like um, it gave me a chance to breathe as well and go, holy hell, what's actually happening? And it just sort of, it tapered down a little bit and then I really got stuck into Facebook advertising. Mm. And again, I 
literally threw myself into this and went, if I'm going to do this, I'm really going to do this. And it was like, okay, I was getting to that point where I needed to make a really tough financial decision in the business again because you're going, but you sort of like, uh, my customers expect momentum now. They're expecting change. They're expecting new releases. And if I'm going to do this, I need stock to sell so that I can afford to pay for stock again because as a startup with the banks, they are so hard they won't look at you. So um, I literally just threw myself into Facebook ads and they blew up. Mm. Like it's just like these Facebook, like it's like it's what dreams are made of in terms of the ROAS that I got on my Facebook account and it was. Are you running your own ads? I am now, but I got somebody to set them up for me for two months. You need to let me have a look so I can see if there's anything I can recommend you improve. Yeah, it's in. It's insane. Yeah, um, it's pretty powerful. I built my I, business on Facebook ads. Yeah, it's just, it's literally, and I think it was always in the back of my head like Google AdWords was when I came looking for your course. Mm. I know I needed to do it, but I just didn't ever get to it. And I think I was just like, I didn't have time to learn it myself then. So I was like, literally got someone to set them up for me and they just blew up. And then all of a sudden I had shoes walking out the door. And before I knew it, I had no stock. Wow. Literally had no women's stock. And so I opened, so we just went, right, so we started to reorder and just kept going. And every time I opened pre-order, they just keep disappearing. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a great, great problem to have. Yeah. It's a really good problem to have, but then I'm, I'm, it's managing inventory and flow and how frequently I'm able to order and just learning so much about it in terms of critical parts and how long it actually takes for things to happen and what I have to do so far in advance. And, you know, like it's just we're starting to slowly get momentum now. And I think, you know, we'll start to be able to do regular releases and drops now. And that's taken, you know, 12 months to sort of fall into line with production times. And because I'm sort of trying to create a business, I suppose, where I'm evergreen. I'm not chasing a fashion market. I am mm. classic, comfortable, dependable style shoes that you can come back to year after year. It's not, I'm not a, um, we're not fashion focused. It's style and comfort, dependability and quality really that we're trying to go with. My, just personal question, because I've got a big foot. I've got size 10. I worry yep. that your shoes will look, they'll t- uh, shoes will be too long on me. You know how they look too long? <laughs> It'll look like I'm wearing a boat on my foot. <laughs> That's okay, Katie. We go up to a size 44, a size 13. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't sell a lot of them, but it's just, I just. Because I'm a 41. Yeah, yeah. No, 41 is like, yeah, fine. Totally fine. It won't look, look like good. a boat on my foot. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> nah. Okay, that was just a personal <laughs> question. But with the manufacturing, so you have an idea, you want to have start a business and you want to capture this market of the kids' shoes. Like, how do you find a manufacturer? How do you decide? Well, tell the story behind your brand name. Like, how do you, how do you get the actual foundational elements of the business together? So, the brand name's the road that I live on. Yes, that's, I love that's that. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was something I go, could I see that on a shop one day? Yep, great. Yep, we could definitely have milk. Do, do most people think that it's your last name? No. Not, no. Okay. I would have. I would just assume that people would think it was. Like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no one's actually, actually very few people ask, but there's a girlfriend and I came up with it because I, I think we had, well, they were also so um, children's focused, the rest of the names, and it was, we were drinking wine one day and it's like, no, let's have a look go at this, but then also trademarking it. 
So, you know, lots and lots of names got knocked out and then Millwood's and it's sort of, like if I lived in in um, Canada, it might be an issue because there's a state or a town or something called Millwood, but mm. here it's fine. So, um, and that's why we call it Millwood's. We put the S on the end of it so for trademarking purposes. Um, but then, so like literally I'd, you know, I was all over Alibaba and all those mm. sort of manufacturing things and I'd spoken to, um, I'd spoken to, people who own rock school shoes and yeah where, okay. yep so I managed to get a contact there and talk to them which was randomly through a family friend and look they were I actually never spoken to them again but they were like really supportive of doing anything and it just sort of there was another well I didn't get anywhere with manufacturing and then I'd literally felt like I'd exhausted all options and I rang I cut my cousin who lives in Sydney and he um makes the most incredible wine racks and I was like, Rowan, surely you know somebody who's in leather, apparel, footwear, something to do with manufacturing with all your friends and what you do. Surely you can help me find someone, a sourcing agent or something. And he came back to me with this really, really random email address and went, apparently <laughs> this woman's fabulous. I was like, Do you know where wow. she's based? She was living in Hong Kong. She was an Australian woman who'd been living in Hong yeah, Kong. Right. And then... I just randomly emailed this person and before I knew it, we had samples going left, front and centre. She was working with another Australian sourcing agency um, who just, yeah, like so much. So even though our shoes are made in southern China in a small family-owned factory, we're ethical, we do, I'm trying to make really sure we tick all those boxes, there is a huge Australian proportion of my business that goes on here. Like this, um, the company that we use, like they're all an Australian family. It's yeah, like so. I've got a lot of people at the moment. It's like, oh, you know, your shoes are made in China. We're not, we're not buying them. And I'm very much. Let's talk about what we do that is Australian because literally they're only put together in China. Every single other element of this happens on the east coast of Australia. Literally. And, and do you think that the you'd be able to operate if you didn't manufacture in China, just no. cost wise? Yeah, cost wise. No. So I think that that's an important part to remind people of as well is that huge. Yeah, like it's not I like probably, you're sourcing bottom dollar stuff and getting that made shoddily in China. It's no. just that your business probably wouldn't be able to operate if you weren't doing that. Couldn't. Like I'd have to charge probably. Well, a to even find a footwear manufacturer in Australia is incredibly difficult, but you'd be charging three hundred dollars plus a pair of shoes. And, again, people say price isn't an issue if it's Australian made, you know, what it, all the research I did with the kids' shoes. I just was like, I need people to buy my shoes ultimately. And, you know, you, it's just they do a really good job of what they do. They, they're very good at what they do. My factory are phenomenal. My people are treated really well. And I think they genuinely like helping me develop my shoes as well. I think it, it goes both ways. And we live in a global economy these days. Like it's just, it just is what it is. But so much of what we do, like even to the guys that actually bring my shoes into Australia, they're in a, they're a Wagga-based company. Wow. They bring 40 shipping containers in a month. Like, and that's a, and they're a, a Wagga-based shipping company. Like it's just, you know, I've really done a lot of work to try and Australian-owned companies every step of the way through the process. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And moving on to stockists and things like that, because now you actually have stockers who sell your shoes. Yep. Is it, was it just kind of 
um, guerrilla style where you would go in and ask people, do you want to stock the shoes? Or how did you start, start approaching stockists and getting distribution? Literally, literally started with, um, actually I had one person who approached me um, and I still remember the excitement that was getting screamed around the house when I got this email. It's like, holy shit, somebody, she wants to stop my um, And you're always like, I wonder how they found me. Like, I don't want to ask too many questions, but I wonder how oh, they found me. I tell you what, if they, they could have anything they wanted. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, and they did so well. Um, and now, so I went to a trade fair which was great. I just went to Life and Style and I got um, a couple of new stockers from there. It's just a lot of it, though, has been I've walked in when I've been travelling. I've spoken to them, but now I'm getting approached. And That's a nice place to be. It's a really nice place to be because I think that it gives me a little bit more confidence in what we're mm-hmm. doing. But And it's a slow build and then you'll start to feel the snowball effect and it'll start to get momentum and you'll find new connections. And I think that that's... The, the first you've been through the toughest period of that. Hopefully. Yeah. But- <laughs> it's just, um, well, see, now I'm at the point where I'm sort of going because I have a real passion for regional Australia, supporting regional Australia, building it up, all that sort of stuff. And I love it that our stockists are regional Australia because I love the story that goes with that. So, you know, they, people are travelling throughout Australia and they stop in these beautiful homeware stores that, you know, they might have coffee, they might have clothes, they might have giftware, they might have, you know, whatever. And they're these great collection of eclectic stuff that they've got from wherever. And there's a story that goes with, oh, those shoes are great. Oh, right. Well, I've got these shoes here. And they're the, you know, and the story goes on. So all of a sudden, it's not just a pair of shoes that they've bought at a massive chain store in Westfield. Mm. All of a sudden, there's a story that goes behind it. So that's a lot of also my marketing technique in that it's memorable. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, no, I just bought those at Myers last weekend. They're going to go, oh, no, I bought these shoes that were made by this woman and from this place who, when I was travelling here doing this in this great little town. So it creates a larger story about regional Australia as well. Mm. Um, and I love it that the places, so like in the where else, um, I've just signed up to be part of this awesome virtual trade fair, which is called the Bush Boutique, and we are about 36 regionally owned businesses and we're doing our own virtual trade fair because all the trade fairs essentially because of COVID have been shut down and it's just nice that who I'm getting approached by now are also other regional businesses so it kind of just sticks with the story really well and it's really nice to be able to support other women not necessarily just women other businesses in regional Australia as well. Yeah that's great and what is next for Millwoods? Well, there's some big, <laughs> we've got lots and lots of samples on the line at the moment. Um, and that's because we're finally at a point where I can actually start dropping extra styles and things like that. So um, it's just trying to create clarity around what type of flat we're going to release next. Um, we've got some really big discussions in place with some other health professionals that we may end up with some great shoes for um, difficult feet or not difficult feet, just people who want super comfy shoes. Um, there's, I've got literally just sitting there going, what range will I do? And it's so exciting now to sit there and be able to look forward and see a future. And it's almost like the door's just been unlocked and it's like, well, where, which direction are we going to go now? And I'm trying really hard to clarify that because I, I suppose with COVID, 
Hey, everyone's been affected in COVID, but my husband and I, we live on a farm, like a, a very small farm just outside of town, and um, he's a pilot, so we're literally looking at it going, we don't know if he's ever going to fly again. Mm. It's just, I mean, he hasn't flown since March, and my, he, like, we don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. So trying to be level-headed but build a business at the same time, it's like, oh, how, how cautious do you be? Do you throw caution in the wind and throw everything at this and go, we're one in, all in, what's and all, let's go? Or do we go, do we keep our pace and just, you know, go slowly? And although the market wants what it wants because it's so fast moving, we ignore that and go, no, slowly, one step in front of another, cement this, cement that, um, which is probably more what I think I'm leading to do because... I think I that suits think. you because it's the stuff that you've done already. And also, like, we didn't even touch on it, but you've got three kids and running a business with three kids is out of control. That, yeah. you know, I think that that pace probably suits how you yeah. build the business and also suits the messaging of the business. It's not fast. It's not, um, you know, the latest, greatest development that will be gone in six months' time. It's about sustainability and slow. Really? And I think that that probably suits your your values yeah. yeah it's um it's just trying not to let market pressure get to you I think it's one of the yeah. things it's really important and I think of that too like I I was just thinking and not to, uh, how conceited to bring it back to me but when people you have your your customers for example that will say and they're, they're great loyal customers and I'll be like oh can you do a in my say can you do a Facebook ads course? Can you do an, this course? Can you do that course? And automatically I'm like, oh, okay, I want to satisfy this, this, this. Then I think, no, I'll just stick to my lane, what I, I what I am truly passionate about, which is Google ads and education mm. and training in that field. And even though I could satisfy a wider range, this is my true specialty. So yeah. rather than bowing down to what other people want, like focus on how you want to build your business, which is if this is right, that one step at a time, that really slow, sustainable growth, not slow, obviously, you don't want it necessarily too slow, but where you're not at that stage where you feel anxious about how much you've invested and you're not, you have to recoup that straight away. Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, and then also I suppose making sure that what does come out is actually in line with yeah. what I want it to be, that I'm not just throwing sneakers in there because I feel like everyone's buying sneakers at the moment and I've got to have sneakers on sale. Yeah. It's like, well, it's okay not to wear sneakers and it's okay not to sell sneakers. It's okay yeah. not to do that. Um, there are so many people in the world. Like my slice of the pie can be this. It doesn't have to exactly. be Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. The last question I want to ask is, given you know all what you know now, would you do it all over again? <laughs> <laughs> if I had known how hard it was going to be, I would definitely would not have started it. Yeah. But knowing where I am now and what I see coming in the next 12 months, three years, five years beyond, 100%. Yeah, I think that 100%. That's, I've had a few other people that have asked that question and um, if they'd known what was going to entail to get to the point where they are where it is successful, then no, they wouldn't have done it. However, they would definitely do it again to be at the point they are now. But yeah. going with, going in and being naive is actually a good thing because or else you would not get it done. I think um, the one thing, like, because I think when I started this, you know, entrepreneurship was a really sexy word. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm so not an entrepreneur. And I think 
one thing that actually really needs to be spoken about with all of this, it is a lonely, dark, mm. hard road. It, yeah, is it is isolating and but for some reason you just want to do it. <laughs> it's like a drug. It, yeah, it is. And I just like the tears, the sleepless nights, it's like the fear of what the hell have I done to my family and why am I putting them through this? But I don't know. I sleep now. It doesn't seem so bad. Like, I know. I, I have I the fact that, that my children are now two, four, and six. Oh, God. I think so like, many people will relate to that. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, it's, um, I just think it's, you just got to recognize that if you do it, it's worth it, but you just have to be prepared for how hard it is to get there. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been a delight. And he, you I said know. you had nothing to talk about and you rabbited it on for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. So I can say publicly, thank you for being one of my oh, first pleasure. ever, my first, my biggest champion of my business. And you've truly made a difference to my business because you are like I love spreading it. my good, good word wherever you can. And it just means the world. It's an incredible resource, Katie. I literally, I go back to that course constantly. It is the best resource I have. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Jane as much as I did. It was so great to catch up with Jane and hear how she's going and what she's got planned. And she was so candid and honest about the challenges that you face when you're an entrepreneur and starting off a manufacturing business. I would love it if you jumped onto Instagram and let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm at kgriffin underscore and my website is sundaydigital.com.au and leave a rating, leave a review or leave a, if they're the same thing, make sure you subscribe and I will catch you on the next episode of Smart Online Marketing.